Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. We're joined by a special guest today, um, a guest who hopefully is going to take us on a, a nostalgia-filled trip down down memory lane. Um, Andy Dale, welcome along. Good to have you here. Good to meet you. Good to be on, thanks. What we're going to do, we're going to jump, cut, cut straight to the chase, Andy. And you're the man, I'm okay. sure people will have, will have noticed this because I know there's been a, a good, good publicity campaign building in recent months. You're the man yeah. behind Just 14, which is already a book, and we're hoping... Hoping, fingers crossed, that we're going to turn that into a film. Talk us through the kind of thought, thought process that made you want to kind of commit your memories to a kind of piece of art in the first place then. I wrote another book first, which was based on my time at college. Now, I've been a Villa fan all my life. So a lot of that book mentioned the Villa as well. And then I decided on a prequel, going back to that glory season, the 80-81, and it's called Just 14 because obviously 14 players were used and the character who's quite based on me turned 14, actually sort of April 1981. How much of it is kind of autobiographical versus how much of it is artistic license there? The book is probably 90% true. The film is going to be different. We're taking the best bits out but also making more of a story out of it. Early 80s, living with it and trying to survive it. But the backdrop is following the villa and there's a lovely ending, as you all know. In terms of converting the the original book into a, a screenplay, then, if you like, has that all been your work or have you worked with somebody to, to adapt no, that? No, we've, how- we've, em- we've employed two scriptwriters. We gave them the, um, the rules, 90 minutes for the film. Uh, some of the characters had to disappear. And a lot of the football games, unfortunately, we don't see all of them. We only see sort of a few. And how much of that was a kind of, I don't know, a, a leap of faith and you putting trust in people like to, to look after your baby, if you like? I'm a bit of a control freak. I've had quite a lot of say. We're on version nine at the moment. A lot of ways say at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's getting better and better, though. It's getting funnier as well. The script I saw last night. I think it's really, really good. How much did you want it to be a villa book and how much did you want it to be this kind of coming of age, rites of passage? You know, is this is this I suppose it's a long-winded question, Andy, but this is this is a story that should appeal to people, not just people with claret and blue blood. Totally. I want to be the villa fever pitch. Yeah. I mean, I still love watching the fever pitch Arsenal film, and you still get a buzz when Michael Thomas scores that goal, even though you've got no allegiance with Arsenal. Yeah. So I'd hope for fans who aren't the Cloud and Blue ones would still feel yes when it happens at the end because they know the emotion of being a football fan, the highs and the lows. What was it like as a teenager in the early 80s? Because I didn't really experience my teenage years till the early 90s. It wasn't easy. I mean, it was quite a time of a lot of riots. There were the Brixton riots, the Handsworth ones. Football going to the games was scary. I'm stuck a bit in the 80s. I love the music. 
all my films come from the 80s. But if you look at it, it wasn't that amazing. There was certainly a dark side to it. It's, it's really interesting because it was like the 80s was this kind of, not necessarily the whole decade, but a lot, lot of the decade yeah. was a time of kind of social economic struggle. I'm not trying to force, force the narrative too much here, but was the fact that Villa had this glorious spell, was that a, a, the best kind of form of escapism for, for Villa fans back then? I think it probably was. My favourite year of all time is still 81. And that's probably because of the Villa in the league. There's a lot of truth in it because the birthday of Jonathan is my birthday, which is actually tomorrow. Interesting point there. <laughs> but in 1981, the 4th of April, Brooks Spears won the Eurovision Song Contest. Aldeniti won the Grand National and they had the boat race as well. And the Villa went top of the league, beating Leicester 4-2 and we stayed top after that. Away from football for a minute then. Yeah. Probably tells you where my mind goes, but I think the 80s and I think soda streams vhs and betamax video recorders bands like new order depeche mode and yeah you know is this a celebration of all of that a celebration especially of the burned mary as well so a bit of early duran duran they're all getting in there and ub40 and even dexis midnight runners but it's also as well i mean a lot of the football still comes in with the subutio the roy the rovers the shoot League ladders, all those kind of things, the pink papers. That's what it was all about. Because I, I grew up as an Aston Villa fan, probably was introduced to the idea of Aston Villa properly at the time when you were going through your college years. So, so it was kind of a bleak, a bleak introduction. You know, obviously yes. we had the great glorious success in the early eighties, and then the mid eighties became the, the the fall from grace, and then the the late eighties saw us get back. Really change, yeah. So, without too many spoilers, what's your um, what's your favourite? non-football part of the book and the experience? Probably some of the shootings, like, because John Lennon gets shot, yeah. and that's quite a big sort of emotional thing at school. And then we've got sort of the who shot JR. Yeah. So the Dallas happens as well. I think probably, like I say, going back to that 4th of April with the book space. Do the characters in the in the story try to kind of capture... So, that informs so what's happening on the on the world stage and on the UK stage. That kind of informs their conversations and, it and the does. plot along yeah. the way. Yes, it gets mentioned a lot, but also in the background you'll see a lot of things as well. So when when did you write the book, Andy? How long has the book been been about? Two thousand and fifteen. Actually, wrote it. Yeah. And was it always with the intention of seeing if you could get it onto the kind of? No, no. I was screen. approached um, three years ago by one of the reads who thought would make a good um, series on Netflix, and then we spoke with director. And we felt maybe it is just one season. We don't want lots of seasons. Yeah. It is just that August to May, 80 to 81. Because obviously sort of football fans don't live in years, live in seasons, don't they? That's how it works. <laughs> As a 13, 14-year-old then, how would you have how would you have con consumed football then? Would you have had shoot posters of, of Gary Shaw on the wall and that it. kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I did. And also I had the Royal Rovers performance chart, which I kept for the whole season, filling in every week. And I've still got that. What's that? That one's new to me then. What's that? You just fill in all the fixtures, all the results, all the goal scorers. You have a little graph of your league position. And then you have at the end a little comment on the season. And I put promising. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's brilliant. So um, talk to me a little bit about the, the team that, I mean, it's widely, widely regarded as the greatest team in Aston Villa's history. Certainly, the achievements that they did over those those couple of seasons in the early 80s. As much as we yearn for it, we don't think they're going to be repeated 
anytime soon. So what did you like, other than the fact that they were winning more often than not, and that there was only 14 of them that were a tight bunch? What what did you love about that team? I mean, about the season in general was Midland Derbys, because there were sort of eight Midland teams in the first divisions he was then. So we played... 14 derbies and didn't lose a single one. But I mean, the players, it picked the team each week. You knew who was going to play. You only had the one sub. It was either Eamon DC or David Geddes. So everyone sort of playing defensive, maybe going away. He put defender Eamon DC on the bench. At home, just in case it were, wasn't going quite right, it'd be David Geddes. But I mean, I've met so many of these players now and they're such great people really they're so down to earth it's so different to players these days because they are approachable and we know them now you've got sort of maybe 16 players in a half knowing all those names in 20 years time you won't will you if they win the league you probably wouldn't know half the squad in 20 years time do you think that almost kind of every man quality of that team full of honest players without Airs and Graces particularly. Do you think that was part of the, the, the secret to, to Villa's success back then? I think there were no major stars. I know Peter Wiff came in for 500,000, but he wasn't Andy Gray, who they sold for one and a half million. And I think the decision Ron made to sort of lose some of the more star players and put together a team that they were very similar, all the players, they just worked together. It was 110%, you keep mentioning all the time. Okay. Your Des Bremners are just so important. I mean, my favourite's always been Sid. Gordon Cairns is my ultimate player. And I think he's so underrated by a lot of the media over the years. But even that season, he wasn't his brilliant best. He was just solid and consistent. They all gave seven or eight every week. And I think, the, you know, it's probably an obvious thing to say, but the word team, that's that's the word. It wasn't yeah. based on individuals. It was based no. on a collection of players with a shared vision actually delivering delivering more more often than not totally how how proud and, and honored are you now to kind of call call many of them your friends and to be able to it, interact it with them just so, it is surreal it really is i mean kenny swain he's messaged me four times this week he's just such a lovely gentleman we've made an ambassador for the actual project now one of our 14 ambassadors all the rest aren't players but Kenny's the only one who was part of that. Do you have to kind of pinch yourself sometimes when you think all the numbers that you've got in your in your contact book now with who were your actual heroes? I do, certainly. And still when I meet Sid, it's different though. I still feel totally in awe. You'll get starstruck all these years, aren't you? I do, I do completely. I, I know you're gonna be kind enough for us to um to put the trailer in as part of this part of this podcast yeah. and part of part of this video. What's it been like? So I presume this is a departure from anything you've ever done before, trying to get a film made and to kind of crowdfund this this film. So tell us a little bit about the experience of that so far. I'm an IT consultant. This is so far out of my comfort zone, you wouldn't believe. And I just can't believe how fast it's all gone, really. We've got so many people involved, so many great Villa fans. When we're doing the trailer, the number of extras just came along several times, travelling quite a distance, and they've all become friends as well. We've got a lot of the celebrity Villa fans all ready to be in the film. All of the players still alive, I think, well, 12 of them so far, have agreed to cameos in the film. We've already in the trailer got Tony Morley as a gardener, Gary Shaw as a teacher, which is totally surreal because my old school closed down about seven years ago and the building is still there not being used. So we filmed in my old school Brilliant. with Gary Shaw as a teacher. What school? What school is that out of interest? Sneed. 
Sneed um, Comprehensive, it's in Bloxwich. So where we're at, though, is still down to funding. The crowdfund, to start with, paid for the trailer, 20000 We now need to move to the final production and start filming. And that's where the challenge really is still happening. But I am going with my doctor, Steve Brewster, to Cannes to try and sort of find people who will be interested in taking the film a bit further as well. That's quite a way out thing to do. Of the ones who took part in the trailer, of the of the, the, the former players of your heroes who you've you managed to kind of rope into this yeah. project, who do you think is uh, the most natural actor? Well, Gary would say him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the one who was brilliant was Des Bremner. Des Bremner played a steward, actually sort of a modern day version, because what we're doing is the very start of the trailer, there's, there's a wedding and the person who was the 14-year-old is now a granddad. And his granddaughter is a bridesmaid the wedding. And it's Saturday. And suddenly, it's time to run out in the wedding in a bridesmaid dress with him following and actually go to Villa Park. And the reason I did this is quite weird. I've been married twice. But the first one was back in 2003. I actually left with my bride to go to the Villa Play Leicester and girl scored two. And actually she goes there the very start in her wedding dress with five minutes late. And the whole of the Trinity just applauded me <laughs> as I bring my bride in <laughs> on the wedding day. So I just thought it'd be a nice thing to try and do in the film. And obviously because the age didn't quite work, we decided to make it a bridesmaid who could be his granddaughter who maybe is just approaching 14 now that's brilliant i'm actually lucky enough to to see the trailer you invited me to the yeah. event in uh in Stourbridge at the at the back it was a great of, event though wasn't it yeah it, it, it was great kind of mingling with all the people there and it was yeah it was great to see the see this trailer because and i hope this doesn't 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 sound dismissive or anything but the quality and you know, even some of the faces that you recognise, uh, not sure whether those are the actors who will get the gig eventually, but some of the yeah. some of the faces in the in the in the trial, you thought, actually, Andy and the team mean business here. This is not this is not a half baked yeah. idea. This is going to be if we can get this off the ground. This is going to be fantastic. Well, we used I mean, Starbridge Company called Mockingbird, a production company. We're very much going to be local. Everything we do, we'll try and employ people from the Birmingham area and around the West Midlands. A big thing from the film as well is the West Midlands football. The Albion, the big run, came third that season. I'm from a family of Wolves fans. Wolves won the League Cup in 1980. So the actual deal we had, we made sure we had Wolves players and Albion players also from that time. So what, what can us as Villa fans do then? Obviously, we, we're going to promote this and, and put it across our, our channels so people people can, you know, the, the people who have escaped it so far, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get it kind of front and centre yeah. in front of them. Certainly visit the website, which is just 14themovie.com, the number 14. So just one for themovie.com. Watch the trailer. Yeah. And there's also on there a link to the crowdfund as well. Yeah. The more we can raise ourselves, the less we have to go and find. Yeah. And I think enough Villa fans are interested a little bit from a few of them takes a long way have you allowed yourself to kind of dream andy in terms of you know you you've been there with your tuxedo on at the premiere yeah totally my wife's dreaming a lot further than that we've already retired on the money <laughs> <laughs> why why can't birmingham and the so midlands have our, have our own fever pitch you know we've got enough drama and enough characters so yep we need it I'm Matt Kendrick you've been listening to and watching the latest episode of, of Claret and Blue with Andy Dale Go and check it out. Check out Just 14. It's a brilliant story. It's a story that, well, I think it will strike a chord with all of us who love the villa anyway, but it'll also strike a chord with us, with those of us who kind of grew up 
you know, in the 80s and 90s and had to live our adolescence with Aston Villa kind of helping us or hindering us in the background. And even people of, of, of generations younger than us, Andy, to, to have a little kind of trip down memory lane. Certainly, yes. Some of the, yeah. um, some of the brilliant times and, and from back then. So, yeah, until next time, up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.